Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. If you got your Bibles, get, let's get in the Word of God this morning. We're, going to, we're tar- talking in our series, No Turning Back. And the reason we call this, we're in the book of Hebrews, and we've been going through the entire book. In the book of Hebrews, the, you had Gentile or, or Jewish believers, Hebrew believers, who had accepted Christ by faith, but at the same time, some of them, because of persecution, and also the, the, some of the priests were trying to get them to come back under the law and come back under the, the, the old way of doing things, the old covenant. And once you find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. How many of you can't go back anywhere else? And this is, and some of these uh, Hebrew believers were uh, abandoning the, their faith in Christ and going back under the law. And so that's uh, where we're at and that's what we're talking about. So this morning we talk about lose your, re- lose your religion. How many of religion is not what God wants? How many of God wants relationship? Amen. He wants relationship. So in chapter nine is where we're going to be at this morning. But let me, in verses one through 10, it's, I don't know if you read through, if you've been reading through Hebrews like I have many times lately, going back and forth, uh, you notice that the writer of Hebrews actually kind of repeats himself on a lot of items, especially talking about the new covenant and talking about the difference between the old and new covenant and how there are worship and different things. So chapter 10, the first uh, or chapter nine, verses one through 10, let me summarize those verses because I just don't want to keep repeating, but it, get, it gave regulations for worship. But he also describes in that regulation of worship that uh, there was, there was a, Moses was instructed to build a tabernacle for God. And in that tabernacle, there was two rooms. There was the first room was called the holy place. And that's where the priests would go in on a regular basis and make their sacrifices. But there was a second room that was divided by a big curtain. And that, in that room was called the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, there was, there was a, the incense altar was there. There was the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the, uh, the, bre- the golden jar with bread or manna. That, uh, they, that God had given them. There was also the uh, Moses, uh, Aaron's rod that had budded and grown, and also the tablets of stone that were in that, that, uh, in that uh, Ark of the Covenant. But on, when, the, when the Ark of the Covenant, when the lid was put on it, this whole Ark was, was covered with gold inside and out. So when the, ark, uh, when the cover was put on it, there was two cherubims that were over the Ark, and in the, mer- in the center of that was the mercy seat, and that's where God would meet with the high priest, and God would speak to them, and that's what would take place in that aspect and so that's that was where regulation and then so once a year but only once a year could the high priest go in to the holy of holies and that was on the day of atonement or Yom Kippur Uh, that was the day that the priest could go and they would meet with God but when they would go there they had to bring a sacrifice for themselves and a sacrifice for the people that's when their sins would be atoned for for that year atonement meant that that at that time their sins would be covered for a year and they could and that so they would go on but here's the thing that that covering could never remove the sin consciousness that they had their conscience was not cleared they still were they were still there so these are some of the things that you find in the order of worship under the old covenant that they were in now what we want to talk about this morning our first point is uh, outward religion versus inward relationship outward religion versus inward relationship god is not in to having an outward religious people how many of he wants to make heart change? Amen. He wants to make heart change. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. In Hebrews 9, uh, chapter 9, verses 11, let's get started there. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. 
He has entered the great and more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which is not made by human hands and is not a part of this created world. Now look at verse 12. He says, with his own blood, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all times to secure our redemption. Think about that. To secure our redemption. How valuable is the blood of Jesus Christ? How many know the blood of Jesus Christ is, is it's amazing. When you think about this, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us, washes us. I mean, it, it makes our conscience clean, the word of God even lets us know. See, the blood of goats only covered, but the Jesus blood is far more valuable than the, than the, goat, the blood of goats and they were sacrificed. See, the blood changes and cleanses our conscience. And we'll go look at that in a little bit more detail in a few moments. But also, it, 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 the blood gives us a whole new desire as we're cleansed to walk in relationship with God. See, the, the, from the very beginning, God wanted a relationship. We see that in the Garden of Eden, don't we? When he came and met with, with Eve and Adam and Eve in the Garden. But here's the thing. It all, the blood had to pay the price for the sin of man. When sin entered the world, what happened? What did Adam and Eve do when they first found out they were shameful about their nakedness? What did they do? They took fig leaves and sewed together, right? To cover themselves. But when God came, how many know there had to be bloodshed for them to be covered? Because think about this. It doesn't talk about an act of worship, but it said God took the skin of an animal and made a covering for them. So there had to be bloodshed for the, their sin. And that's what the old covenant was about too. There had to be blood sacrifices to cover the and to cover the people's sin. And think about this. When they got ready to come out of Egypt, what had to happen? There's a lamb. Remember, they had to slaughter a lamb. They were put the blood over the doorpost. And, I mean, it all, it's all covered in the blood that, there. Now, think about this. Under the old system, it says in verse 13, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of young cows could cleanse the people's bodies from ceremonial cleansing. The old system covered the outward appearance and just not changing the inward appearance. But think about this for a moment. How does blood cleanse? I mean, how many of life is in the blood, correct? And if, like I, I, I'd say, if, if I took the blood out of your body today, how many know you would be graveyard dead right now? I mean, Jesus gave his blood for you and I. I mean, he, he, he spilled out, poured out his life that you and I could have life. Now, see, the... Verse 9, if you jump back up to verse 9 in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 9, it informs us that the gifts and sacrifices the priests offered were not able to cleanse the conscience of the people. But blood, the blood of Christ is able to do that. Look at verse 14. Just think about, he said, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Think about that for a moment. That we can worship the living God. How much more precious and how much more beautiful, how much more, think about, lovely is the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about the blood, I, I said this in early service, it just it sometimes doesn't make sense, does it? Now, think about this. What if you came to church this morning and we, we, we did a sacrifice this morning? Of, of blood. I mean, that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Don't get, don't, we're not going to sacrifice a chicken today, okay? So don't get there. But that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? I mean, think about this. Everything, everything the Word of God, and we'll get there in a few moments, but it had to be covered by the blood of Jesus. It had to be covered by blood. And it's, it's just, it's kind of weird when you think about it. But blood has a, the blood of Jesus, our sin was so wicked, it took blood to cover it. 
So Jesus' blood is so much better for, uh, than the sacrifice he is. Now look at this. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sin they had committed under the first covenant. Jesus died to set you and I free. He died that we would no longer have to make sacrifices. He became the sacrifice for us. See, under the old covenant, when the people were trying to go back under the law, some of these priests, like I said, some of the priests under the law, they were not, their motives were not always pure. Some of them, their desire to have people come back, they were afraid they were losing their, their, their influence over people. And they wanted them to come back and abandon faith and come back under the law. And matter of fact, Jesus talked about some of the religious leaders of even his day, of how they were more concerned about the outward appearance than they were about the inward appearance. And how we know Jesus came and gave his life blood for us that we can be forgiven because he's concerned about our inward appearance. And when he gets that right, everything else becomes right. Now look at this. I want to show you how Jesus talked about some of the religious leaders of his day. Jump over to Matthew chapter 23. We're going to go 1 through 5 and then we'll jump down to verse uh, 25. But look at this, what he says about these religious leaders of his day. And look what he tells the people. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. These are the guys interpreting the law of Moses. So, look what he says, verse 3. I love this. So, practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. They don't practice what they teach. I mean, that, that's pretty strong there, isn't it? He's saying, here's people, they're, they're more concerned about their outward appearance, and they're not doing anything except for telling you what to do, but they're not willing to do it themselves. So he said, don't pay attention. He said, look at this, verse uh, 4. He said, they crush people with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. He said, everything they do is for show. Everything they do is for show. Now think about what he just said there. Now he jumps down and listen. I mean, he gets pretty harsh words here about some of the religious leaders. Matthew 23, verse 25. What sorrow awaits you teachers and religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. Does that sound pretty strong? He says, for you are so careful to cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. I mean, he's talking to the religious leaders of his day. This is the attitude some of them had. And now look at verse 26. You blind Pharisees. First you wash the the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outward will become clean too. To be clean, it starts on the inside. that's, that's, That's about having relationship with God and allowing the blood of Jesus to wash over you. He's saying you're more concerned about the outside and you're, you're full of junk on the inside. Now look what he says in verse 27. He says, what sorrow awaits the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, and once again, hypocrites, for you look like, you look like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but full on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. Those are some harsh words. But understand, these these people were in religion. It wasn't about a relationship with God. And God does not want his church to walk in religion. He wants his church to walk in relationship. That's the reason Jesus Christ came, that you and I could have relationship with the Father. Amen? See, 
without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Let's talk about the blood of Jesus a little bit more. I mean, I don't think it's talked about enough in church sometimes. But we need to understand how important the blood of Jesus is for us. See, Hebrews 9, 16, it says, it says this. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made the will is dead. He says the will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it, it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. This is why even the first covenant was put into effect with blood of animals. So he, the writer of Hebrews is wanting us to understand we have an inheritance. But for us to receive the inheritance that we were going to receive, Jesus had to die. He had to come and he fulfilled the old covenant. And it's no, we're, we no longer live under our old covenant. We are based on a new covenant because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and what he did. See, forgiveness is our inheritance. Amen? That's our inheritance. For listen, look at verse 19. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments. Now, listen, this is where it gets kind of crazy. After Moses read all God's commandments, all the people, to all the people, he took blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the books of the law and all the people with hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Wouldn't that, how would you like to be in that service? I mean, somebody got up here, just got all the blood, and all, all of a sudden we're going to start sprinkling. I mean, that's, that's what he did. Matter of fact, he said he sprinkled not just the, 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 the word, but he said he sprinkled all the people. They had to be covered in the blood or cleansed by the blood. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. That, the blood confirmed it. This is the importance of the blood. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle. I mean, he went around throwing blood on the walls. I mean, think about that. He went, I mean, it's, it sounds weird. And everything that was used for worship, all the utensils. In fact, it says, in fact, look at verse 22. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness. There had to be the shedding of blood. And that's the reason Moses, under the old covenant, they had they used the blood of animals to make their sacrifices. because, And it would cover their sin, but it would not renew them. It would not make their conscience new. But the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can bring us into relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I honestly, I don't know if I would want to be in a, that service that Moses was conducting. I mean, I, I think I would be ducking behind the chairs, you know, to say. But look at this. He says, everything had to be covered with blood. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of the things in heaven, had to be purified with the blood, by the blood of animals. But the real thing in heaven had to be purified with a far better sacrifice than the blood of animals. Now, think about it. We got to thinking about this in staff the other day. It says, but the real thing in heaven had to be purified. So Moses sprinkled everything with blood and purified and cleansed it. And everything he did had to be covered with blood. It was necessary for these elements in the heavens to be purified. What needed to be purified? And that's the question I, I, we had. Why, why does anything in heaven need to be cleansed? Why does anything in heaven need to be purified? When you read it, if you, you're not careful, you'll read right over that. But it says, they purified in heaven. I did, I did quite a bit of study and looking on this, and I, I just want to share something with you. And I thought this was great insight on why what need to be purified in heaven. It's not because anything in heaven is sinful. How many know heaven is not sinful? Heaven is 
not unclean. It's not. Heaven is heaven. It's perfect and eternal. Right? So it's, what had to be purified in heaven? Let me just share this. It's because the way into heaven must be covered and, and shrouded with blood in order to cover man's sin as he approaches God. The blood, we cannot approach God without the blood of Jesus. There's no other way. No other way. There's no way you and I can have access to God except through Jesus Christ. And that's, now think about this. Man had to be covered with the sacrificial blood of, of Jesus Christ even when he entered, even when he enters and stands in heaven. The only accepted, acceptance man has before God is the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. When you go, when we get to heaven one day, our, to approach God, we're still going to have to approach him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus purified a way for you and I to be able to go into the Father and have relationship with Him. There was no other way. Even today, the only access I have into the Holy of Holies, in the presence of God, is through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't enter any other way. There's no other way to have relationship except through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. See... It goes, it goes on. So everywhere man stands, everything man touches, no matter where it is, in heaven or on earth, has to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. How many are, I, I am so glad I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ right now. See, the blood of Jesus Christ did not just save me. The blood of Jesus Christ keeps me. I, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is this. It says in 1 John 1, 7, it says, If I walk in the light as he is the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all my sin. Here's the deal. If I'm walking with God and I'm walking in the light that I know of his word, the blood of Jesus is being applied to my life every moment of every day. It wasn't just at salvation. The blood of Jesus is working in your life right now. The blood of Jesus is walking in our life continually. Amen? It's not, and that's, what, that's the reason it's so important. Everything, everything about me has to be covered in blood that I can approach God. Remember last week I said when God looks at you and I, He looks at us through the lenses of the blood of Jesus Christ. That He sees us covered in the precious blood of Christ. See, man's only acceptance, man's only acceptance before God is the sacrificial blood of Christ. And man can, never, man can never be accepted without that covering. Never. It shall forever be our covering. When we get to heaven, it's still the blood of Jesus is going to give us access. Because it's all about what he's done. See, I think this is critical and absolutely important for us to understand. It lets us see how important Christ's sacrifice was to God and how it was on his mind. Because it was, he realized the only way that you and I could be brought back and brought in relationship, Jesus, his son, who was there from the very beginning, was ordained to pay the price for you and I that we could be reconciled back to God. See, church, this lets us see how important it is. This is the reason Jesus had to appear in the presence of God for us, to cleanse and purify the way for us. He had to cleanse and purify the way for us. Jesus purified everything. He's provided a redemption for us that will last forever and ever and ever. There's no end. There's no end. When I get to heaven, I go into the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. The I, I, same way I, get, I go today is through Jesus Christ. See, Christ's sacrifice takes away our sins once and for all. Once and for all. Look at this. 
Look at Hebrews 24, 9, 24. For Christ did not enter into the holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. On whose behalf, church? Our behalf. Jesus, Jesus' blood does not just give me access today. It gives me access tomorrow. It gives me access to next week. It gives me access years to come. It gives me access for eternity into the presence of God. And then he says, he says, he said the holy place for our benefit. Verse 25, and he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest did here on the earth who entered the holy place year after year with the blood of animals. They would go, remember, year after year, they had to take their sacrifice. But Jesus did it once and for all. There's no more need for your sacrifice. You know what's needed? Your surrender. Not sacrifice, but surrender. Verse 26, he says, if that had been necessary, if Jesus, in other words, if Jesus had to die over and over, just like the, uh, their sacrifices, it says Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once and for all times, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death and sacrifice. To re- I love that, that whole thing of remove sin. How many, be honest, how many made mistakes this week? How many would just open? You sinned this week. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus? The word of God says that when I come to him and I confess my sin, what? He's faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins. And what? Cleanse me. What cleanses me? The blood of Jesus Christ. It's his blood once again being applied. Continually washing over me and keeping me. The, that's what cleanses me. He's, he did that for you and I. See, church... Christ's blood was the ransom. That's the ransom. Now look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1. This is one, I love these, this verse of scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18. Starting with verse 18. I, this is one of those scriptures I just go back and read every once in a while. He says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from your empty life. You inherited from your ancestors. We, 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 we inherited death by sin. Okay? He says... And the ransom he paid was not mere gold and silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He says, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now been revealed. He has revealed him to us in these last days. These last days. Think about it, church. When Jesus Christ... When Jesus Christ died on the cross and he poured out his blood and he was resurrected from the dead on the third day, I want to tell you something. He was revealed. The last days started then. The last days started then. And I know we talk about, the, my next point is Christ is coming back. Do you believe that? I don't know about you, but the times we're living in right now, it seems like we're moving into the last days more and more. And I know some people say, oh, I've heard that all my life. Can I just say? Since I was just about knee high, my grandfather was a Pentecostal pre- preacher. I've been to tent meetings. I've been to all kinds of things and service. And I've heard about the end times and Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And people go, oh, well, here we go. Hey, I'm telling you what, from the day from Jesus' death to now, we've been living in the last days. These are the last days. Jesus Christ is coming back again. He's coming back. But listen to, listen to this church for, for a few moments. 
He says this, and just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. So also, also Christ died once for all times as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with sins. He's already dealt with that. But to bring salvation to all who eagerly await him. Church, Jesus Christ is coming again. My question to you, are you ready to meet him? Here's the thing. Like I said, I've heard for years, these are the last days, these are the last days. And I believe we are living in the last days. I really believe that. I believe, I, I believe as the Word of God teaches, I believe in the rapture of the church. I, and you say, the, the word called away, we get the word rapture. But I believe that Jesus Christ one day is coming back for His church. We're going to be gathered up and we're going to be in heaven with Him. But here's the thing. I believe what the Word of God says about the last days. Uh, but I believe the church will be taken out before the last days. I hope so. But here's the deal. I believe that after the church is taken away... I believe in the tribulation period, the Word of God talks about. In Revelation, there's a, there's talks about after Jesus, after that Jesus has come and taken the church, there will be a tribulation period. It will be a tribulation period that lasts seven years. The first three and a half years, the Antichrist will come on the scene because there will be chaos in the land. And there's more chaos in the land than ever before today. But there will be chaos in the land when that happens. But when the Antichrist comes on the scene, for the first three and a half years, the Word of God says there will be peace and prosperity. Everything will seem like everything's going well. He's brought peace on the earth. But then in the last three and a half uh, years, there will be great tribulation that's like never before. There will be times where people will cry out and want to seek to be able to even die, but they won't even be able to die. They'll be under such persecution that will take place. And the horrific things in Revelation, it talks about the, the day in that uh, time of, uh, of the great tribulation. But after the tribulation period in the book of Revelation, you find out there's the millennial reign of Christ. The millennial reign of Christ, that's where Christ will come back and reign for a thousand years on this earth. And the saints who are with him will come and be with him and reign with him. And here's the thing. During that thousand-year reign, everybody who's come through the tribulation period, they'll experience the grace, the goodness, the mercy of God. But at the end of that thousand years, Satan will be released for a short period. And as he released, many will be deceived and be led astray. Then after that, Satan will be thrown into the pit of hell, and he'll be forever. But then there comes the judgment, the final judgment. See, he's not coming back to judge. When he comes back, for us, he's not coming back to judge us for our sin. Our sin's been dealt with already. He's coming back. We'll, he'll judge the believer for their works, what they've done for the kingdom of God. But your sin has been covered. But here's the deal. I believe heaven is a real place. I believe there is a rapture of the church. I believe there will be a tribulation period. I do believe in the millennial reign of Christ. And I believe that Jesus Christ is coming to receive his, his bride. And you say, how do you get ready for that? By accepting the work, accepting what Jesus Christ has done for you. You can't do it. You can't enter it any other way except through the blood of Jesus Christ and what he's done. Church, I, I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful and so thankful for God for his forgiveness today. I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me right now. I stand here before you. You may not see it. I can't see it. But I know because of who Jesus is and what the word of God says, I am covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. I am covered my life is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the reason I said when Jesus, when God looks at Gary, he looks at Gary through the lens of the blood of Christ. He doesn't see a sinner. He doesn't see some mess up guy. He sees his child. He sees his son because the sin has been paid for once and for all. What love is that, church? 
Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready to meet him? Let me just ask you this. I know some people don't believe in the, 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 uh, the pre-trib that we're, the church is going to be taken out before the tribulation period. I know there's, there's pre-trib, there's mid-trib, and there's post-trib people. Here's, what, here's what I, all I have to say to you. I don't care which one you believe in, but you better be ready to meet him when he comes. You better be ready to meet him. Because if you're not ready, you're not going. And the only way you can be ready is by knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's, he's, he's paid it all, and he wants a relationship with you. And it starts by coming into relationship through the blood of Jesus. Father, I stand here forgiven. My conscience has been cleared from sin. God, I don't have to go back and pay penance over sin of my past. They've been forgiven. God, I stand in you and you alone, in your son Jesus Christ and what he's done at Calvary. And God, I just pray if there's be anyone here today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, God, they would come to know you today. God, we don't know when the rapture of the church will take place. We don't know when you will gather your saints to yourself according to your word. Nobody, no man knows the day nor the hour. But God, we do know that you said you'll come again. And there's going to be the catching away of the, your bride. And God, I don't want anyone to miss it. I want people to come into the, to the family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. That they can realize that they don't have to worry about judgment. They just, they, they, they're waiting for their deliverance. So Father, touch people's hearts today and just draw them to you.